Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. You're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player. Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Welcome to Iconic Albums, except we're not doing Iconic Albums this week. We're talking Iconic Movies, just for a fun Ooh. change of pace. I'm joined by Rob Rhodes. Hey, Matt. Hey, Gabor. And Gabor Jessica. Hey, Matt. Hey, Rob. Awesome. So if you're just joining us, here's the story. Iconic Albums is the roundtable we, the three of us do, where we choose uh, an album that's influential in some sort of guitar sense, we talk all about it. This week, we're talking about iconic movies. Now, the rules, each host is uh, bringing a, a couple of movies which feature some really cool guitar stuff. Now, the films have to be fictional. I mean, there's so many great concert videos and band docos. You know, that's another can of fish, but we've just, the parameters is it has to be a fictional film with cool guitar stuff. And we're gonna jump in. It's a speed round. This is the top nine films of all time with cool guitar to us so <laughs> let's jump in eddie and the cruisers this is one of yours rob tell us about it it is now this is a movie from my childhood that i like i keep watching it now i think at least once a year i pull it out it's from 1983 it's about a fictional band called eddie and the cruisers uh and i think it's actually set in new jersey in 1963 so it's kind of weird it's like a uh, period slash future vibey band because they're a bit like Springsteen um, and that sound had wasn't really around in the 60s but then they're kind of like Dion and there's this real crossover um, it's based on a book that was actually kind of like a murder mystery book um, written by P.F. Cluj um, and it was written and directed by Arlene Davidson as it's kind of a doco style movie, so it's it's a weird kind of niche thing. So there's a journalist played by Ellen Barkin, and she uh, she's researching Eddie and the Cruisers uh, because they're talking about a uh, anniversary release of their first album, um, and like it stars Michael Pereira from you know he was famous for the Philadelphia experiment and uh, greatest American hero, which I'm watching at the moment on Amazon prime. I've gone back another, another one from my childhood. It's great. Great thing. So, um, and all the music actually comes from a real band, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band. Um, I got quite a, uh, back catalog, uh, check them out, but yeah, they, um, they're a Jersey bar band. Um, of some ilk, they have a connection to Springsteen too, who sort of gave him some advice early on. Um, fun fact about this one is Rick Springfield actually 
wanted to play Eddie in Eddie and the Cruisers, but the director just thought, you know, he couldn't, he'd be too Rick Springfield, you know, like you couldn't get, you couldn't get past him being Rick Springfield. Um, Wasn't he a soap actor as well though? He had some He was, yeah. So for those that are younger than me, which is probably most people listening, there's a... I'm holding my hand up. (laughs) Rick Springfield was in a band called The Zoot um, with Daryl Cotton. And I think wasn't um, Daryl Summers in that too? I forget. It's one of those bands. It's like an all-star band. And uh, then he went to America, um, became a actor in General Hospital, and then had a solo career in the eighties. Still touring these days. Yeah. Um, Jesse's Girl, the big hit. Jesse's Girl. Yeah. So many good. He's got quite a few like really great pop songs. Yeah. Tim Pierce did Tim a lot of Tim Pierce, man. Yes. There's a man. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, the the record was released. It was quite a hit, the record, at the time. The soundtrack came out afterwards. Um, but I was just looking at a couple of things here with the movie. Um, the director had worked with Sylvester Stallone in 1974, and he approached the actor about putting him in touch with Scotty Brothers Records, who ended up releasing the record. Um, and the connection there is they, uh, they helped with the soundtrack of, uh, Rocky, Rocky three. So I have the tiger. So that's, yeah. So that put all that in. There was a sequel to Eddie and the cruisers. I almost picked Eddie and the cruisers too, but couldn't do that. Um, what's the cool guitar or musical thing for you? Like, why should we check it out? Oh, look, it's, it's just, a. It's a throwback to old rock, you know. It's kind of that Buddy Holly, um, you know, Dion, all that kind of 50s, early 60s rock. There's a black strap with a rosewood neck. There's a pretty girl with a tambourine. Um, there's a, <laughs> That's all you need, really. <laughs> you know, it's just a rock and roll story. It's really, it's really great. And um, some of the tracks to check out, the, obviously, the main song from that record and that movie is on the dark side. Um, but deep dive and find the full recording of Season in Hell, which is in the movie. That's the unreleased second album where the tapes go missing because that's what the movie's about. Now, spoiler uh, alert. So the tapes of the second movie uh-oh. go missing, you know. And so it's a really great movie. I, I it. It's, it stands up because I think that music's kind of timeless. Uh, production's good, but uh, check that out. And I've got a little segment for today's music movies. Describe a movie badly, thanks to Jimmy Fallon. Okay. <laughs> so I came up with James Dean wannabe's career ends prematurely after following Google Maps and driving off a bridge. Oh, nice. Mm. All right. Have you seen this? Well, that made me want to watch it now. Have you seen this before? <laughs> No, I've never seen that movie. Neither have I. I think uh, nothing with the nine films. Not not all of us have seen all of them, but I think that's fine. That that no. kind of makes it interesting. Um, we're going to move on, Rob. But before we do, I have heard I haven't seen it either, but I've heard a rumor that there is a Floyd Rose that appears in this film set in the sixties. Is that is this true? No, that's not true. Um, it's in Eddie and the Cruisers too, though. Um, there is <sighs> there is a guitarist called Rick Diesel. Um, Ed, oh, Eddie cool comes name. out in secret. <laughs> um, spoiler alert: Eddie 
Eddie is alive. Eddie Wilson is alive and he's in Canada and uh, he puts another band together and the guitarist is called Rick Diesel and there's plenty of Floyd Rose. But is, that, is, it, is it set in the 80s by then? Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, I think. Okay, so that's yeah. okay. Okay, good. Oh, good. Because that was a rumor. I want, I'm glad you cleared that up. No worries. I'm, I'm here for you, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, man. I can sleep tonight. All right, number nine. I mean, we haven't we haven't really rated these, but number nine, Eddie and the Cruisers. Okay, number eight, That Thing You Do. I chose this one. This was uh, released in 1996. It was Tom Hanks' directorial debut. Um, which is kind of pretty cool. And it's about a band also set in the 60s, like Eddie and the Cruisers, set in 64. The band is called The Wonders. They're a garage band of teenagers. They have a hit with a song called That Thing You Do, um, and they're propelled into, into stardom. And, uh, and uh, rock and roll life ensues. So they become rock stars, pop stars, um, the band self-combusts at the end and they all sort of go their separate ways but what i love about it is a couple of things um number one is that the soundtrack is outstanding it's so great um and the title track was written by adam schlesinger one of my favorite pop songwriters from the band fountains of wayne um such a great band i love i love that i've got such a soft spot for power pop so the Schlesinger um, pen stuff is awesome. It, it's like the greatest 60s song, never written that title track. Yeah. And um, the other thing I love about it is the gear. Now, I'm, I'm, I was kind of, I was glad that um, Eddie and the Cruisers had period correct gear. Not all these films, there's some con- controversy, Ooh. which we'll find out. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, man. Anyway. <laughs> But the detail on this film is so precise. So when when they're starting out as a garage band, they're all playing silver tones. Um, cool. The lead singer's got a Gibson Les Paul Junior, which of course was like a student sort of guitar. Um, but when they hit it big, they're playing like Rickenbackers, Fender Jag, jazz bass. Um, and they've got Baseman stacks, the blonde ones. You know, it's even the gear follows the trajectory of the band, which I really appreciated. Um, that's 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 my uh that's the quick summation. Any have you guys seen this one? Long time ago, um, I remember seeing it, um, but I I wanted to watch it actually before today, but I didn't get around to it. I mean, wanted to watch it again, but yeah, I remember watching it, and I remember um, I, I quite liked it actually from memory. The movie feel feel good movie, but um, yeah. yeah, a little bit of guitar candy for the uh, for the nerds paying attention. So yeah, I loved it. My wife and I, we rewatched it just a couple of months ago, I think. Um, uh-huh. Went through a, a lockdown Tom Hanks movie marathon and, and this was uh-huh. on there. And I think they did the best thing about that movie, like there's a running gag because they change it. They change their name to The Wonders, the spelling of it, where it was called The Onitas. <laughs> it's a bit of a running gag. Um, but yeah, that that is a killer, and it's similar with uh, Eddie. You know, there's that '50s '60s rock, you know, hooky yeah. rock stuff going on. Um, my describe this movie badly. Oh, yeah, come on, would be oh yeah, <laughs> another typical Yoko breaks up the band story. <laughs> That's harsh, man, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, one last thing. The the um the bass player, um, they just call him the bass player for the whole film. They don't care oh, yeah, right. <laughs> And in the credits, because I'm thinking, hang on, what, what's he called? It's TB player. 
TV, TV player. player. <laughs> the bass wow. player. Awesome. That's All right, great. we're going to move along. But, yeah, that thing you do. Loved it. Feel good. Cool chops. Um, Crossroads. Rob, oh. one of yours. Crossroads. Okay, 1986. Uh, it's a fake story about the search for Robert Johnson's missing 30th um, song that was never recorded or was and went missing. Um, I think every guitar player worth their weight in picks um, <laughs> probably has seen this movie. It's a lot of picks. <laughs> and, and if they haven't seen the whole movie, they've obviously seen you know the end scene uh, with Steve the Vai, the guitar battle. Yes. Um, yeah, what, what can you say about this movie? It was like my, the the thing about most of these movies are they're not really critically acclaimed. They weren't huge successes, um, which I don't know what that says about uh, music movies. But uh, yeah, the soundtrack, uh, Ry Cooter. Yeah, the soundtrack. The man, yeah. There's only a few songs from the movie in the soundtrack, um, okay. and it's like a Ry Cooter solo record. Uh, some of the the uh, classical stuff that's on there as well, but uh, Ralph Marchio, the Karate Kid, he's karate the kid. star, and he trained to do this role. Like he wanted to actually play the guitar, but soon realized that it was beyond him. But he learnt enough. It, he made it look yeah realistic, yeah, yeah fairly realistic. Yeah. He was tutored by Arlen Roth. So Alan Roth, I think he's like a guitar magazine transcriber guy, and yeah, he's had yeah. a bit okay. of history. Great uh, slide player too. I think I think he was doing a lot of the music before Raikuda, or in conjunction. Somehow he got moved out of that a little a little bit as the production went on. Yeah. So this is you know Ralph Marchio plays a classical guitarist who's in Juilliard. He's a bit of a child prodigy, and. He thinks he's a blues man from Long Island and he sets out on this trek, breaks the old guy out of a prison hospital and they go across, you know, the south out to Memphis and all these places, the Delta, to try and learn and find this song and go and record it. But it's the whole soldier sold to the devil story and they go there to try and, you know, get it back. For yep. uh, Willie Brown, um, but yeah, the Eugene's trick bag is the main event uh, in this movie, and some of the people that were approached to actually play uh, Steve, the part that Steve Vai eventually took, were Keith Richards, Frank Zappa, and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh wow! Yeah, so wow. but they settled on Steve Vai um, for the shred style. Steve Vai plays both guitar parts in that um, guitar battle and Rai okay. does the slide parts. The slide, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, gear-wise, Ralph Macchio, he plays a 70s CBS Fender Telecaster with the block letter headstock. And they said they actually specifically chose that because they wanted the guitar to be able to stand up to the rigors of filming, like it was in the snow, like in the rain, like it okay. got got absolutely hammered in the movie and they still needed it to be playable and that's why they chose that. Nice. Um, and Steve Vai, he kept it a secret for a while, but the guitar that he played on, it's a bit of a customized Charvel kind of thing that was built for him. The red thing. Yeah, the mm. red. 
guitar. And that piece is based on Paganini's Caprice 5, so loosely based. Yeah, um, which, arpeggios. Yeah, and, and that yeah. ties into Paganini too because apparently he sold his soul to the devil for his music skills too. So it's like a, a nice circular thing. Um, I've been trying to, but he's not interested. No, not. <laughs> <laughs> what are, what are the, what does this movie hark back to for you guys when you first saw it? The, the first things for me was like, oh, the Karate Kid plays guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it introduced the world to Steve Vai, yeah. I think, pretty much. Yep. You know, that's, that's sort of the thing. It's, it's, um, and it always, I don't know, for, for some reason, that always reminded me of that whole uh, Devil, the Devil and Back to Georgia thing, you know, yeah. the, the violin. Yeah, I don't know. It always kind of reminds me of that. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's another one of those movies I watched ages ago. I watched a few times, and it's one of those things you've got to watch when you play guitar. Yeah. It's just you have to watch it. It's almost a – if you don't watch it, you're not a guitar mm-hmm. player. I was watching it at 2 o'clock this morning. <laughs> 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 How about you, Matt? Yeah, as, as a teenager watching it, I loved it, um, especially the, the duel, especially when Steve I lifts up the guitar by the whammy bar. Yeah. Yeah. And I was doing that in the lounge room like – that was it. It was on then. <laughs> With a tennis racket. What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I playing? Um, oh, yeah, probably some strat copy. The poor, the poor trem system. <laughs> but, yeah, great movie, man. And, uh, yeah, for, for a lot of us, I think, uh, introduce us to Steve I. Yeah, a couple of things. Nathan East um, has a couple of credits. He plays bass on the tracks from the bar bands so as oh, it cool. goes through oh, cool. the mississippi there's a couple of bar bands so he's credited on that um there was one other thing i i thought was really interesting and it oh, obviously the bad horsey song that steve Vai ended up releasing later, on many years later yeah alien love secrets um mm. so that was taken from that okay time to describe this movie badly yeah, <laughs> i'm liking this Spoiled yes. Juilliard student loses virginity on the way to Steve Vai Guitar Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <Accurate. laughs> All right, moving along. Okay, so that's number nine, eight, seven, number seven, Crossroads. Not the Britney Spears Crossroads. I was surprised. I thought we were talking about that one. Um, <laughs> that's the one I thought we were talking about. I was. I <laughs> Oops. Okay, number six. <laughs> Did it again. Number six, Back to the Future, Gabor. Yes. Well, to me, I mean, that's for me, that's growing up, that was one of my ultimate guitar moment things. I mean, the coolest thing, like, and it's right at the start of the movie, yep. you know, the massive – anyway, so uh, uh, for, uh, we should really kind of briefly skim over all three because there's there's a there's lot of cool stuff music in happening each, in yeah. all three. But the main movie, 1985, uh, written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, directed by Robert Zemeckis. There's a actually really good um, on Netflix the um, uh, the movies yeah, that made that's us. Awesome. The whole story yeah. about it and how it was almost never yeah. made and and all that. So very interesting to watch that. I, thanks to Rob, actually, I didn't know that series even existed. I watched many many good things too. that Rob um, <laughs> told me to watch. Yeah, Rob's Rob's um, a source of thank stuff, you, Rob. man. Yeah, Rob's the man. Mm. Rob's the man who knows. So yeah, so the first movie was 19, uh, came out in 1985, second one in 1989, and the third one in 1990. In the first one, he travels back to 1955. In the second one, he travels to the future, which is now the past, 2015. 
And in the third one, he travels to 1885. Now, in each of them, there's music things or guitar-related yeah. things happening. So in the first one, uh, you know, opening scene, like I said, uh, he walks in to Doc Brown's lab or whatever you want to call it, flicks on his massive <laughs> amp, which, uh, little fun yeah. fact, is based, uh, it, it says CRM114 on it. Uh-huh. And apparently it was a bit of a nod to Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Because uh, in uh, Doctor Strangelove, there is a similar looking device in a B-52 bomber, also called the CRM-114. <laughs> I like it. Which is uh, um, an encryption device on there. But it looks kind of the same and it was apparently a bit of a nod to that I read somewhere. So Easter anyway, eggs. that's my little Gabor's fun yeah. fact. With Gabor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he plays uh, actually quite um, uh, sought after now guitar, which is an Erlewine Chiquita, mm. which is a mini travel guitar, and they're apparently quite sought after now. It's an, an, a brand that they still make custom guitars in America, and it was one of the sort of first small body travel guitars. It's a, this little yellow thing, mm. and he plugs it in and he strums a yeah. chord, and the speaker blows, and he gets thrown <laughs> back. So good. I remember those being um, advertised in Guitar Player magazine up up yeah. the back though, in like the classified section, when you could just buy a little couple of columns of oh, ad yeah, space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, ev- everyone knows the plot of Back to the Future. He, you know, boy gets into a car that is a time machine, accidentally travels back, uh, and almost has a thing with his mum. <laughs> I know. My- <laughs> uh, then travels back, then travels into the future, and then the future gets changed, and then they travel back way into the past. I mean, who hasn't seen Back to the Future? Um, but guitar-related things. So there's that little uh, early in Chiquita, there is a black Ibanez roadster he's yeah. playing. Uh, Marty McFly's playing when yeah. he goes to the Battle of the Bands audition, cool. where Huey Lewis is uh, a very square looking <laughs> judge. That's so cool. <laughs> You're just um, too loud. <laughs> just too loud. Just too loud. Um, then, I mean, one of the most famous things the, the um, what is it called? The Enchantment Under the Sea high school dance, yes. when Marty goes up on stage and he grabs. Uh, and a Gibson ES three four five TDC in the year nineteen fifty five, which massive controversy <laughs> was actually released until late fifty eight, early fifty nine, um, and plays Johnny Be Good. And there's Marvin Berry, Chuck Berry's cousin, who is the band leader of the yep. band, and he rings Chuck Berry and goes, "This is what you should do." Um, And it looks like also a few little things about the guitar. So it looks like it was retrofit with a Bigsby to make it more Chuck Berry-like. But you can see the posts where the the stop tail should be. Right, yep. Um, Yes, it's a 345 TDC, thin line, dual pickup, cherry. That's what the TDC stands for, cherry being the red one. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, that's the most famous scene. and, 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 you know, who hasn't kind of... When they were little, I mean, when I was little, using a tennis racket kind of emulated totally. that. Um, there's also in in Back to the Future Two, Future Marty um, plays uh, an electric blue PRS CE24, or tries to play because he had a car accident and broke his wrist and can't play ah. guitar properly. And, and also in Back to the Future Three, there's a special little guest yeah. appearance by Billy Gibbons and ZZ yeah. Top. Uh, as the that a band that sort of hillbilly band um, at the dance in 1885. That's awesome because they do the uh, spinning playing, banjos, <laughs> the yeah, spinning banjo, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even it, the the drummer's got a little just a the, the snare drum, yeah. 
So ZZ Topper in that make a little little appearance. But I mean, I'm sure you guys Back to the Future must have been something you guys watched many, 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 many times. Yeah, totally. And um, two things. I loved the I loved him flying through the air from the amp. The yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And when when he's playing at that dance, as a kid, I didn't know about the three forty five. It was years later. I got you know, I was like the comic book shop guy. That guitar was not invented. <laughs> I paused and explained to my children why there was a real problem with the film. But um, I actually, funnily, we watched it like, I don't know, six months ago for the first time with my yeah. kids. And I said exactly that to them. When I came up, I said, you know what? That guitar wasn't invented for a few years. Anyway, yeah. yeah. No, totally. but that's me. Well, I did think it'd be cool to go back in time and do all the tapping that, that he was doing and, and yeah, be the, yeah, be the yeah. hero for that. But yeah, great, great film. I guess your kids aren't ready for that yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but your kids will dig yeah. it. <laughs> um, that there, there's also the nod to Eddie Van Halen when he comes to his dad's bedroom and puts the headphones on him and inserts the cassette into the oh yeah the Walkman and, that, and the tape yeah, that, says Edward Van Halen on it, and they just plays yeah. that you know the whammy bar, you know big dive bomby stuff. That's cool. In that Hascam suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that yellow and it's suit. funny, throwback to the Toto episode, that um, Ibanez Roadstar, which I think is the yeah. RS, might be the 1200 with the three single coils. Um, and yeah, it was, and yeah. that was the one that we were talking about um, the other week. That was sort the of like episode, the, yeah. became the Luca the signature model for a little while. Um, yeah. All right. I'm going to describe this movie badly. Okay. Hey. hey. <laughs> Attempted reboot of the DeLorean Motor Car Company. <laughs> very good. <laughs> very good. It is a cool looking car. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> All right. We'll keep smashing through. Number five is A Mighty Wind. Now, A Mighty Wind, this was a film uh, released in 2003. And of note, uh, I mean, the quick summary is it was, it was put together by the Spinal Tap guys. So... Um, it was written by Christopher Guest. Now, Christopher Guest, of course, is uh, the lead guitarist of Spinal Tap, Nigel Tufnell. Um, uh, also co-written with Eugene Levy, uh, who, who we all know as an actor. So, um, essentially, the Spinal Tap band are, are in this film, but they're a, a fictional trio called the Folksman Trio. So, they're <laughs> from that 60s folk boom. Um, there's a couple of other bands. There's the new Main Street Singers. They're a Nuftet. So a nine-piece folk band, <laughs> and there's uh, so there's a duo. Those guys are just the funniest oh, they're the dudes. Best. They're just the funniest. They're dudes. the best. Um, <laughs> so and there's a duo, Mitch and Mickey, which are again like a, a guy-girl folk duo. So there are these three bands. It's a documentary about these bands reforming um, uh, in the in the '90s, I think, uh, or the early 2000s when when the film was actually produced. And it's just awesome. So it's got it's got all the uh, improvisation that the Spinal Tap films have with the actors. They they don't have set scripts. They've got they're just working off storyboards uh, for scenes. But the musicianship is awesome. So Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, who plays bass, and Michael McCain plays guitar and is the front guy. But those guys rip. Those guys shred on it. Especially Christopher Guest. Oh yeah, they're he, he great. Plays everything. He's he's a stringed instrument wizard. So yeah, I love that. Um, John Michael Higgins is a great, he's an actor, but a great vocal arranger, and he arranged a lot of the vocal parts for the, for the uh, the new Main Street singers. The new Main and there's just so many classic um, band memes. So the three bands play at the festival. 
John Michael Higgins' character comes off. He says, oh, we couldn't hear ourselves really well. Did it sound okay? And the headliners go, we weren't really listening anyway. Um, yeah, it's just cool. And somehow amongst it, there's um, a really sweet story where Eugene Levy, who plays just this tripped out, whacked out weirdo, trying to get his life back together. It's actually quite sweet, I found. Mm. So it's kind of heartwarming. But it's got, yeah, really great, really great musicianship and a little bit of that Spinal Tap impro as well. Any, uh, any, have you guys seen this? Yeah, we watched it. We yeah. watched it last week actually because our okay. internet was out. So we went to the DVD collection and as is usually the case, I picked six out and hand it to the wife. Which one do you feel like watching? <laughs> and she picked that one. So um, yeah, we watched nice. it again. Oh, I absolutely love this movie and I love Jane Lynch in it. She's, oh, she's just, awesome. oh man, she's amazing. But, and also the late Fred Willard, what happened? Mm. Uh, it's just what happened? Yeah. It's just the most inappropriate character, um, but just done absolutely perfectly. And uh, you do find yourself, you know, just lost in that world. It's almost like it's, again, it's another one of those doco style mu- yeah. music movies that's just brilliantly yeah. done. Yeah. I just love with, with, with movies like that and, well, the movies those guys do, like that and Spinal Tap and Best mm. in Show as well, those, those movies, you watch the outtakes. Oh, yeah. And the outtakes are just about as long as yes. the movie and they're all – because it's all improvised. It's all completely different, but it's just as good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember um, um, watching – I mean, this is – we'll talk about that later, but Spinal Tap, when, when, I, um, when I got the DVD – and it had the DVD of the outtakes. And the outtakes, I thought, in some ways, were fu- almost funnier yeah, than the real the thing. And it was longer editions. than the yes. movie. <laughs> I've got that too. It's crazy. <laughs> it's fantastic. Awesome. Rob, what's your, uh, what's your bad description? Okay. The, oh, yeah. the origin story of making a murderer series one to six. You need right. a bit of an imagination because they're all a bit wacky and kooky mm-hmm. and could be serial killers. So, um, you know, I just thought the origin story of making of a murder was uh, maybe that's just my brain. Sorry. That's good. I like it. It's, uh, it's cryptic. I'm trying like to think outside the box here. Yeah, you're killing it, man. That's good. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Kopp. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. All right, film number four. We're counting down the top nine films with cool guitar stuff. Roadhouse. This is one of yours, Rob. We're here already. My God. Well, Roadhouse is from 1989 and stars the Dirty Dancer himself, Mr. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, this is a Guitar Speak podcast, so it stars Jeff Healy and the yes. Jeff Healy Band, one of the great trios, blues trios out of Canada. Just uh, amazing. Um, the soundtrack obviously features some killer, killer tracks, um, versions of I'm Torn Down, uh Dylan's When the Night Comes Falling, which closes out the movie, mm. and Hoochie Coochie Man. Uh, but there's also songs by Bob Seger, Otis Redding, and Little Feet. Um, Healy, he 
features very prominently throughout this movie. He doesn't have speaking parts. I went to his IMDb page to see if he uh, had any more acting roles and uh, no. Now, this was it. <laughs> this is his debut and swan song in one. And and it's fitting for, you know, the just a great guitar player, great singer. Um, and from all accounts, every interview you watch of people that knew him, he was a lovely man too. Um, straight into the gear, he's a renowned user of Japanese Fender Squires. Mm -hmm. And that features pretty heavily in this and the red Evans pickups that he's also pretty yeah, famous for. That's right. They were actives, weren't they? Um, were they active? I know they had very or similar EMGs because they had the quick connect little plugs. Okay. So yeah, mm. I think they may have been. Um, but back to the movie, it's it's about a you know, a bouncer or a cooler. He's not actually a bouncer, but he's like a, a foreman for bouncers. And uh to turn around this club uh, called the Double Deuce. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Um, so, yeah, it's just a small town kind of story. But, yeah, lots of fighting, but lots of great music. Like The music is second to none. Um, some fun facts. The opening of the movie features a band called The Crusaders which is, Ooh. I'm guessing, Spanish for Crusaders. Um, but this band was disbanded and the lead singer Tito La Riva formed Ooh. Tito and Tarantula, who feature at the Titty Twister band in Dust Till Dawn. Oh. Yeah, so this guy featured in more movies than Jeff Healy. Um, just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a... Look... It's just one of those movies from the late 80s, which is a bunch of guys kicking the crap out of one another and <laughs> things blowing up, uh, all sorts of things. Perfect. So so just at this time, I just want to touch because, you know, Jeff Healy's actually, apart from Steve Vai, who was, you know, quite a featured guitar player, this features Jeff Healy and I just wanted mm. to give him some time. Um, he used to use those big heavy triangular bass picks, um, okay. fender heavies. Um, at that time, he was using Marshall 100-watt heads with 412 cabs, and his effects were prior to a DOD endorsement. Um, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm was, listening now. <laughs> he, was a, he was a DOD endorser. Um, so he had the DOD overdrive distortion octava flanger EQ and digital delay as well as as well as their wah pedal he really liked their pedals the wah um, pedal is actually really good just throwing it out there but anyway cool but prior to that he had a tokai overdrive boss EQ and an MXR flanger but um like for anyone who has not seen Jeff Healy or knows Jeff Healy it just he's an enigma like he really is a one of a kind he plays the guitar on his lap and the thumb is his predominant like lead mm. what would usually be our third finger that's kind of what he uses his thumb for um just technique like to come up with that is just amazing and i know lap steel players out that have done that in the past and pedal steel players but it was just something that we'd not seen before and uh what what did this movie have you guys seen this movie recently that's one of the two movies on this list I've never seen. 
All right. I'm James Browning you on this one. Oh. Um, you'd be fined. <laughs> fined. <laughs> I, I was oh, going to let one go, but uh, <laughs> one mistake is all right. Two mistakes. Mm. I'll <laughs> sit in the corner. <laughs> I just need to own up very quickly now then before uh, <laughs> this gets awkward. So, yeah, I think I'm with Gabor. So I hadn't seen Eddie in the cruises or Ra- uh, Roadhouse. Roadhouse, yeah. Um, although I... I remember maybe it was just some excerpts from the film. I'm sure I've seen bits of it. I've seen the yeah. bits where, um, where, um, where the band's playing. Of course, um, may I feel like I was maybe a handful of people who knew who Jeff Healy was before the film. Um, yeah, but I really too. appreciated how it brought him to uh, a bigger audience. Because um, as you said, Rob, um, <clears throat> phenomenal. I think we spoke about him a bit in the was it the Stevie Ray Vaughan episode, perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah, unbelievably great, and and it was a cool thing for his career to be, to be in the film, and a really good choice, visually speaking. Uh, yeah, that that way he played on his lap, and so this this idea of a blind guitar player playing the guitar, sitting down on his you know, on the, in that overhand style was really cool, really striking. I mean, yeah. how many movies is there a band, a blues band in the corner, mm. um, you know? But in this case. Uh, they made a big a big deal out of how great Healy was, which was which was a really cool touch. And it's going to tie into one of our movies that we're going to talk about shortly, with a band playing behind chicken wire uh-huh. and having <laughs> bottles thrown at them and beers and whatever else. Absolutely. Um, how do you do that? How do you make that decision to throw a bottle at chicken wire at a blind guitar player? <laughs> uh, it's not cool. No. So how about Jeff Healy Different for you, times. Gabor? Have you had much um, exposure to Jeff? Uh, I'm going to get my third strike. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm doing this to you on purpose. It's yeah. like... uh, no, in all honesty, uh, uh, I've heard the name, but I, I, uh, until you guys just said he's blind and plays slide guitar, <laughs> I've heard the name and I, I, I'm sure I would... If I hear some of the music, I'd associate it with something. But yeah, no, the name, the name doesn't ring a bell. I mean, well, it, it rings a bell, but like I can't put a face to it or can't put what what it would be to it. No, I'm sorry. Well, um, third strike. <laughs> or a very small bell. I owe you a lot of money now. <laughs> well, Paul Lini covered one of his songs, so you know maybe. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I I, I'm doing worse. <laughs> All right, I'm going to describe this movie badly. Yeah. Um. Anyone who's seen the movie poster, maybe not the movie, but Patrick Swayze, I came up with this. Uh, follow the late night adventures of a man and his mullet. <laughs> he had a good Excellent. mullet back in those days too, Patrick. He had a great mullet. And he hated it too. There's some, uh, yeah, there's some quotes from him at this time and he just hated, absolutely hated that hair in this movie. Uh, did, he, did he have cowboy boots on too on that? No. That was no, no cowboy no, boots. No cowboy, cowboy boots. Anyway, there's a 31 track score available that they reissued wow. for the 30th anniversary of this uh, movie. So uh, the original soundtrack had 14 tracks and, yeah, the expanded one has 31. So plenty of blues classics and old soul songs on there as well. Good uh, stuff. Yeah. I've got to check it out. That one. So I know, I know, <laughs> I finally know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm slap. I've been slapping myself. <laughs> no, we're all like, I'll get you back eventually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number three. We're in the final three. Hey. School of Rock is yes. number three. School of Rock from 2003. Uh, written by Mike White, ironically starring Jack Black. Hey. 
And uh, these guys wrote a bunch of the songs actually as well to, together. Um, so what's the story? It's the classic fish out of water trope. So Dewey Finn, rock and roll musician, fallen on hard times, kicked out of his band, trying to earn some money, scams his way into a private school to get a job and uh, teaches the kids how to rock. Is that, yeah. is that something close to your heart, Matt? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a documentary for about ten years <laughs> about you. <laughs> I thought it was the handbook on how to teach. So I just it was the curriculum for me for the last decade. Uh, but man, it's such it's such a great film. What are the cool guitar moments? There's so many of them. So the opening scene when uh, the main Jack. Jack Black's character is called Dewey Finn. His band is playing in a nightclub uh, to about seven people, but they're going all out, and and Jack Black is going super hyper all out. He's overplaying. He's doing the hand signals to the sound guy. <laughs> Turn me up <laughs> in the wedge. He's turning his amp. He's, <clears throat> his tone's not happening, and then he shreds a solo for like forever. <laughs> it's just 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 that alone is is so good. So many um, musician friends were raving about this film when it came out. It had so many great, great lines. But again, the soundtrack's really cool. Um, yeah. Jack Black's uh, rock and roll evangelism is unparalleled. The way he sings guitar riffs to the kids. And cool thing about the the kid actors uh, in the private school who become a rock band that they're all chosen to be in the film for their musical chops above their acting chops. The kids, like the mainly the four, the four kids in the band, the bass, mm. drums, guitar. Uh, keys, those guys, and uh, yeah, it's great, man. And uh, again, a feel-good movie. Uh, Jack Black doesn't go to school for impersonating a school. Uh, doesn't go to jail, rather. He has a happy ending and starts his own music school, which is a beautiful moment. That, um, that, those things wouldn't happen nowadays. That it would be different nowadays. <laughs> Monday, especially where they, where he says your kids touched me, and I'm pretty sure um, I touched them too. You know, like yes, <laughs> it wouldn't work. The looks anymore, on no. the parents' faces. I it wouldn't know. work. Horrified. Priceless. Oh man, um, the Battle of the Bands. Um, Jack Jack Black's truck, his van. He opens up, and the guitars are on the hangers, ready to rock. Oh, it's great. So He's so good. good. He's so cool. I, I, I mean, unrelated, but I got to see um, Tenacious D while, yes. when, when it toured in Australia. Oh, and that was he's so good, like, as you know, as a as a as a as an entertainer. You know, yeah. he was so good, and he's a great singer. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, watched. Man. I had time, and I watched this today. Um, okay. You've done well, Rob. Man, you've watched so many of these. Well, we're in lockdown, so I think um, <laughs> on Friday I watched two of the movies. Yeah, and then Saturday I watched one, and then yesterday I watched one, and uh, then today I watched one. So I didn't get to them all. I've seen Back to the Future a million times, and, yeah, yeah. and the other ones that we're going to discuss. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of, kind of refresh and pick up on a few things. The things yeah. that I picked up on is that man, I love Sarah Silverman, but God, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, she's nasty. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of looked at her a little bit different. But, um, yeah. yeah, the the movie, like, I kind of shed a tear at the end, you know. I'm oh, it's emotional, a isn't it? It's very yes. emotional. Yes, uh, But the soundtrack's great. I did have one nitpick, and that was that in typical Gibson style, couldn't keep that SG in tune. And <laughs> and he played Smoke on the Water in A. Yes. Um, and... 
out of tune and in a I'm like I almost turned it off. I was disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He does it in A and then 30 seconds later when he gets the whole band to do it, they do it in G. Oh, uh, it's so yeah. weird. <laughs> Oh man. Cello. Cello. <laughs> Turn on the side, cello. Yeah. There's some cool Gibsons. I, I think Gibson might have been in on this. Um, Would have definitely have to have been involved in that, yeah. The the flying V that um Zach, the lead guitarist, plays is, is very cool. And it spawned like musicals and a whole well, lot of little side hustles out of this movie. There's yeah. a and there's a school of rock. At my, the school my kids go to here. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, we started all that sort of stuff too. Well, we started a cover band that never got off the ground called School of Rock and we used to just call it School of Frock. Oh, nice. And, nice. Uh, well but it never got off the ground. Uh, it was in a tumultuous time. And sure. The Sydney live music scene. <laughs> still is. We're uh, ready for it. Describe this movie badly. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Creepy uncle fulfills rock and roll dream by copying Hanson's blueprint for success. <laughs> Creepy uncle. That's that's Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's just an edge of danger about him in whatever role he plays. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, Be Kind Rewind has to be one of my favourite movies that he's ever yeah, done. Yeah, that is great. Right. Who's so, the other guy in that? Who's the rapper in that? Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Moss Def. Yeah, he's oh, great yeah. too. Yeah, awesome. All right, we're with the final two. Uh-huh. Final two is very exciting. Drum roll uh, ensuing. The penultimate. I'm just trying to talk it up. The countdown. Uh, number two is, of course, the Blues Brothers. Rob, this is one of yours. 1980, oh. and I think that's about as many times as I've seen it over the years. <laughs> I've had it on VHS. I've worn Absolutely. it out. DVD, two copies. I've got the soundtrack on vinyl. Um, it's a whole bunch of songs. Are, even though it's from 1980 and a lot of the songs are from the 60s, yeah. uh, as well as the 70s, it's a staple in our living in the 70s set. We do Shake Your Tail Feather. We do Give Me oh, Some awesome. Lovin'. Occasionally we do... Um, Sweet Home Chicago, and we get a sax player in and do She Caught the Katie, Peter Gunn theme. You know, just we do little theme nights every now and again. Um, Yeah, so it's a musical comedy directed by John Landis, stars John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd as Jake and Elwood Blues, Um, and it was born out of a Saturday Night Live sketch, uh, which so many movies have come out of Saturday Night Live. It's crazy. Um, It was one of the most expensive if not the most expensive comedy film ever made at the time just for the car chase oh, <laughs> it was crazy a lot of things well, it's a lot of cars <laughs> yeah a lot of things so set. i think 104 oh, yeah. cars got totaled in that movie um wow. including 13 different police cars well those, yeah um <laughs> So why were policemen such bad drivers in 80s movies? <laughs> I don't know, it's crazy. Um look, they they were really worried because first of all, Dan Aykroyd wrote the script and it was over 370 pages long or something. Yeah. Um so Landis took it away and had to rewrite the whole thing, bring it in a lot tighter. Um and then Belushi's issues with uh, illicit substances kept yeah. slowing the filming of it down. Um, so the studio was really uh, cautious 
and only released it in a select amount of cinemas at first because they were really worried it was going to be a failure. Um, they needn't have worried. It's grossed over 115 million. Wow. Um, that nice. was before it even went to home video. No, yeah. um, it became became a cult theme, and it spawned the absolute horrible sequel, Blues Brothers oh, yeah. 2000. Oh. Yeah, I was wondering if you're going to mention that. Yeah. One saving grace is Johnny Lang in that. Um, but uh, in 2020, it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry and Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Hmm. Ah, very good. Yeah. So and um, worthy. Couple of little. Tidbits of this one. Carrie Fisher wasn't was obviously in this, but she wasn't the only Blues Brothers connection to Star Wars. Ah. Frank Frank Oz, who was the puppeteer for Yoda. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, he played the corrections officer that returns <laughs> all of Jake's belongings at the beginning. Um they initially wanted um Rose Royce who was behind hits of Car Wash and I Want to Get Next to You to play Aretha Franklin's part. Um, But Aykroyd said no, he wanted Aretha and it was a rebirth of her career at that time. She's had multiple rebirths. Um, And there was a falling out between Belushi and Paul Schaefer um, who was sacked from the band because he chose to co-produce Gilda Radner another Saturday Night Live alumni, um, instead of helping with the Blues Brothers project. Um, so the the soundtrack, everyone knows this soundtrack, right? Mm. It's crazy. It's Even everywhere. I do, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't want to make any assumptions. I was just checking. <laughs> fishing, fishing there. No, it's, uh, um, I'm going to bash my microphone here. Um, it was released in June 1980. Um, and it was actually the Blues Brothers' second album. So they had an album before this of other songs. Um, but it was re-recorded, um, featured saxophonist Tom Scott and Steve Jordan on drums. Oh, cool. Um, oh, wow. I yeah, didn't Steve know that, Jordan didn't wasn't in the movie because he didn't have the acting chops. So they had to choose someone else um, to play him. So, yeah, favourite track. She caught the Katie. Uh, yeah. Think... Like one of Aretha's, you'd have to put that in her top five. Kind of, if you were going to introduce someone to Aretha Franklin, I think yeah. that would have to be one of the songs. And man, how many one-liners came out of yeah. this movie? And yeah. crazy. What what is what does this movie conjure for you, Gabor? Just lots of memories of of. See, I, I'm probably the only person here. <laughs> who saw this movie in English and dubbed in German. <laughs> wow, that would be cool. No, so I, I, just memories of, of, of when I was little. I, I, um, I mean, before I got into the whole guitar thing and stuff, I just, that's why I mentioned before the car chase thing. I just, I, I remember watching the car chase and all the, just the, the thousands of cars. Yeah. <laughs> or so hundreds good. of cars. I used to watch that. I used to rewind that always and watch that a million times because that was so good. But just, just one of those movies that just brings back um, a lot of like childhood memories. Every time I see bits of it, it sort of brings back some memories. So. Uh, I've seen it heaps of times. The music is great. It's uh, it's still funny, which a lot of Dan Aykroyd stuff not necessarily holds up. I mean, Ghostbusters does, but uh, a lot of other Dan Aykroyd stuff can be sort of a bit, Neh, but that it still holds up. It's still funny. It's still good. Um, uh, 
uh, great music, great like you said. I mean, Aretha in it, and it's just it's James just Brown. James Brown, the who's who. You know, they're oh, all James making cameo Brown, appearances yes. in it. Um, it's just it's just such a just iconic movie. I mean, talking iconic uh, albums, this is iconic yeah. movie as totally. almost as iconic as it gets. Yeah. yeah. And how about you, Matt? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I remember watching this when I was about ten, and it was probably one of the first films I think sort of like a, a grown-up film in some ways. Um, like it wasn't a kid's film. Um, no. And I'd watch it with my older brother and his friends. and um, So those sorts of memories. So it was pre-guitar as well. But, yeah, the band is killing it. And then I guess as you get – as I got older and, and a bit more musically aware, you, you realise the great players on mm. uh, throughout there. So you already mentioned you know, James Brown and Aretha. But um, in the band, Donald Duck Dunn. No. Um, Matt Steve, Guitar Murphy, Steve Cropper, Cropper on um, on guitar as well. Yeah, amazing. Um, so that's great. And and the one liners. Yeah, was it was it Murph and the Magic Tones with the yeah. shag pile, <laughs> <laughs> the shag pile column speakers. Oh my god, is that? Yeah, you can't even can't even bring it to mind now. Like, there's so much. Yes. so much going on in that movie. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, it was probably the first adult movie I saw. And for the time, for people that are our vintage, remember the original Gone in 60 Seconds too. It was just this era of car wreck movies. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that still might hold the record for the amount yeah. of cars wrecked in a movie. And that, that was, whole shopping centre, they just totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so good, but like it's got John Lee Hooker's just playing in the street, playing boom yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah. I know, and obviously Ray Charles in the music store. Yeah, um, where the little kid tries to steal, and <laughs> yeah. the blind guy shoots oh. the wall. There's, I, I just quickly looked it up. I just quickly looked it up. There's the uh, the list of the most cast destroyed <laughs> in a movie. Yeah. Blues Brothers, hundred and four. Blues Brothers 2105. Maybe. Oh. I wonder if they did that on purpose. I think they did. <laughs> Probably did, yeah. But what do you reckon is the, the, the most most cars destroyed movie? I mean, this is completely off topic. Oh, wow. Well, it's not gone in 60 seconds then. Nope. The original. Nope. It's yeah. from 2003, I give you that much. And 300 cars were destroyed. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Nah. Nah. Can't the Matrix my- Reloaded. Oh, right. <laughs> really? 300 cars. <laughs> okay. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, I just quickly I looked that, that up, trying so. to understand what the Matrix was all about. I think I, I was concentrating too hard to notice all the cars getting totaled. Was that the one where they were on? they were fighting on top of a car? And they were going down a highway. Oh, yeah, and the highway scene. That's The right. highway scene. I think that's Isn't the that one in the Matrix. It's on. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. No, that's the one that they um they filmed on Southern Cross Drive and General Homes Drive, like in the in Sydney. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the tunnels and stuff. Oh, man. I actually love seeing our cities in movies. Like it's just oh, yeah. something yep. really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, movie. Describe this movie yep. badly. One, Where can yeah, I go with this one? Uh, two missionaries buy a police car and destroy the city of Chicago. Beautiful. That's that's pretty <laughs> accurate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Matt, I thought before we do, we reveal what number one is. Yep. Yep. Um, I think we might get bashed um, 
on the comments by a few people that go, how could you forget? Sure. So here's a list of movies that we considered before we got down to these nine. Purple Rain, Wayne's World 1 and 2, mm. Rockstar, The Ruttles, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, The Rose, it's kind of semi-biographical but not really, mm. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, Bill and Ted's, all of them, Oh Brother, <laughs> oh brother Where Art Thou, True, true. Josie and the Pussycats, yeah. Scott Pilgrim, Pop Star Never Stop Stopping, an <laughs> okay. Australian one, Boy Town, had to put that in there. <laughs> um, Whiplash. If anyone hasn't seen Whiplash, that's a killer movie. Go watch it. Oh, the uh, drum. Oh, so good. Drum Walk speak podcast are covering that as we okay. speak. Cool. Drum speak. <laughs> Walk Hard. The Commitments. Mm-hmm. My pick. Uh, if you want something weird, The History of Future Folk. Um, killer movie. Like So good. Very smart. Very original. Singles. Um, high Fidelity. Almost famous, and the airheads, which airheads, we, yeah. we talked about before. Yeah. Um, come on, the greatest puppet band of all time, the Muppets. Yes. Oh, um, and this one's a bit of a stretch, but there's a band in the Cantina, and there's a band in Jabba's Palace. So, yes. Star, Star Wars. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, and, and the soundtrack to Star Wars. Come on, John Williams. No, yeah, yeah. Max anyway. Rebo Band. Yeah. That's that's the Jabba's Palace. That's I right. always wanted to call a band Max Rebo Band. All right, Matt. What's number right. one? Number one, drum roll. Uh, Gabor has chosen Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap, exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. And I mean, we were just talking about one-liners, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the ultimate one-liner movie. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Spinal Tap uh, from the year 1984. It was uh, co-written and directed by Rob Reiner. He also kind of starred in it as Marty DeBergi. But, uh, <laughs> just their names, all their names, just know, so even good. The names are funny. Yes. <laughs> if you if you look through, if you go to Wikipedia and just look at the cast and all the names of all, what they, all the people they played, they're just brilliant names. They're just <laughs> such like English glam rock kind of an '80s sounding like. Anyway, anyway. Um, so it's basic. I mean, if you haven't seen it, if you are a musician and you haven't seen This Is Spinal Tap, give yourself a slap and go and watch it because it is. I mean, it's 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 one of the ultimate movies, mm-hmm. and it's. Is it really fictional? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like as as fictional as the Larry Sanders show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think this movie coined the term mockumentary. I think yeah. that's sort of where yeah. that term came from. So it's basically. If you haven't seen it, it's a fake documentary, a mockumentary about this kind of, uh, kind of, uh, somewhat uh, getting towards has been a little bit washed out, washed up kind of English band called Spinal Tap, um, who are doing a US tour, a 1982 US tour in support of their new album, Smell the Glove. Oh, all this stuff is so good. So the band is uh, uh, lead singer and rhythm guitarist David Sand Hubbins, played by Michael McKean. <laughs> Just the names are fantastic. Yes. Uh, lead guitarist and backup singer Nigel Tufnell, yeah. uh, played by Christopher Guest. Bass on bass, you've got Derek Smalls, uh, who's Harry Shearer, you know, yeah. um, Principal Skinner, and <laughs> you know all, Mo, all the Simpsons oh, voices. Yeah. Not Mo. Um, 
Then on keyboards, you have Viv Savage <laughs> and Mick Shrimpton on drums. Um, now, it's just one of those. It just follows the band on the tour. And uh, it, like like with uh, before with The Mighty Wind, they had sort of a, a rough idea of what the movie was meant to be about. But it was pretty much all improvised, what they were talking about. All the dialogue, most yeah. of the dialogue was completely improvised. Which is why, watch the outtakes, because you see the same scene and they say completely different stuff. <laughs> and it's it's just, yeah, anyway. So it's basically following this band. Uh, and, of course... Everything goes wrong uh, the, because it's sort of a bit of a has-been band, washed-up band. A lot of uh, the ticket sales are, are quite bad, so uh, they lose a lot of venues or venues get downsized, so they play like Air Force hangers and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> also, the, all the major retailers refuse to sell the album because of the sexist cover art, <laughs> which then turn into it's just all black. <laughs> and then they have an entire – there's an entire – 10, 15-minute-long conversation they all have about what's good or bad about the black cover. I mean, it's fantastic. The, the staff, they say, is just fantastic. Then also uh, David St. Hubbin's girlfriend, um, who's a yoga and astrology devotee, <laughs> just that, kind of joins the band Yoko Ono style and creates a lot yes. of tension. Um Stupid things like uh, doing a drawing of uh, stage props, on, on napkins and getting the measurements wrong and instead of it being feet it's inches, inches. Yeah. Yes. so this thing of Stonehenge is getting lowered and it's 18 inches tall instead of 18 feet tall <laughs> stuff like that you know uh, and and I mean from a guitar player's point of view um, looking at Nigel Tufton's guitar collection uh, which was all supplied by Norm's, Norm's Ray Guitars so Norm was kind of a consultant there from Norm's Ray Guitars oh, in, okay. in LA okay um uh, uh, you know, and them talking about all their drummers dying. I, I wrote that down here. What is it? Uh, you know, they all die of uh, strange circumstances like spontaneous combustion, <laughs> a bizarre gardening accident, <laughs> choking on vomit, <laughs> and then the other guy choking on someone else's vomit. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, looking at the at the you know the guitars, the the fifty nine Les Paul with a beautiful burst that has so much sustain. I can hear it now. You can, <laughs> you can go and grab a bite and come back, yes. and it'll still hear it. Uh, <laughs> look at it. And, yeah, and the, the uh, what is it? It's a nineteen sixty. I wrote it down here somewhere. Uh, a nineteen sixty six Seafoam Green Fender Bass Six that he's got sitting there, and he goes, "You don't, don't look at it." Don't point at it. <laughs> it's all original. <laughs> you can't play it. <laughs> it's just, you know, <laughs> still got the tags. <laughs> it's just brilliant. There's so many moments. And the amp's going to 11 because, you know, oh, when you're in 10 and you need to go that one louder, can't where you do you go? make 10 louder? <laughs> no, but it goes to 11. And, you know, just the whole backstory they created as well, you know. How they originally in the 60s started off as the originals, but then there was another band called the originals, so they called themselves the new originals. <laughs> and then it, they became, a, uh, they changed to the, the Tamesmen and then became Spinal Tap, but turned into a flower power band, but then. That's right, the hippie stage. <laughs> yeah. If but they then, were making it now, they would have become a country band. 
probably they're gonna make it you know <laughs> but i just love how they said you know they're talking about that and they said that they turn into a, fl- a flower power band but then gradually transition into a metal band <laughs> <laughs> you know stuff like that it's just such of a fantastic just the amount of just really funny, silly stuff that comes out of it. It's just, I think, one of the most brilliant movies ever. And those guys, we talked about The Mighty Wind, but they've done a couple of movies, the same the same bunch of people, and they're all really, really, really good. Best yeah. in show as well, about uh, people that go to dog shows, and it's just, yeah. it's... It's just excellent. I mean, I'm sure you guys have watched it a million times. What are your thoughts on 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 uh, this is Spinal Tap? Matt, let's start with okay. Matt. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> everything is. I'm, I'm just cracking up so hard. Just someone just describing it, what is in the film. Yeah, they're even seeing it again. Um, yeah, it's it is just so hilarious. And again, there's enough truth in it to make it ring true. So the well, inch, the, the tour going wrong, the gigs falling apart, the Nigel leaves the band, the lead guitarist leaves. Um, so the rest of the band have got to pad out the set. What is it, Jazz Odyssey? <laughs> the Jazz Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it, was I the only one? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you got When I first watched it, there was always this little thing in my head saying, yeah. is this real or is this? Because it's just, it's so realistic. Uh, you know, and I'm running into the other band and the other manager. What was his name? Whatever his name was. Sir, whatever his name was. In the hotel, and they, they, the other band is doing really well, and yeah. they're doing really bad, and then, you know, the managers clashing. It's just uh, there's so much funny stuff going on. It just never ends in that. And the outtakes are just as funny, if not funnier. Yeah. And I think a lot of them they didn't use because they were cracking up themselves. You could hear car, the, the crew and stuff cracking up while they were saying stuff. How hard um, would it be? Yeah, trying it's to be just quiet. so brilliant. Oh man! And Paul Schaefer's in it as well. We just talked about yeah, Paul Schaefer Schaefer's before. Right. He's a, Hardy he, Fufkin or whatever his name was. Yeah, Another great record name. executive. Or record something? executive. Or promoter or something. And the nanny is in it too. The nanny's in it. Yeah. The nanny. Friend Drescher. Friend Drescher yeah. 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 It's great. Big Bottom. They're like they got they all play bass for it. Big Bottom. That's yeah. And they did that in um what was it uh, Live Eight. Yeah. That Live the, Eight thing they did and like. Metallica was there too and like all the bands came out and they all had basses and they all played Big Bottom <laughs> in Wembley Stadium. I'm pretty sure that's what... Wow, I missed that one. Um, well, they, ended it, up, the they ended up touring. Um, I remember in the early 90s they had their album Break Like the Wind and uh, <laughs> they were touring festivals and sometimes they would get the Folksman trio to open the show. To open up for them, Yeah. yeah. And he actually, I, I did a little bit of research. He played Tom Anderson guitars on a lot of those tours. Ah, nice. Yeah. And he yeah. had that signature music man that had like 15 pickups <laughs> pickups in it. Pickups on yeah. it. <laughs> Jesus. And a Speedo. Yeah, Speedo. That's right. <laughs> speedo. Yeah, that's right. Um, a couple just... of other cameos was um, towards the beginning of the film, Billy Crystal and Dana Carvey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, show up as the waiters. And uh, Dana Carvey's doing the, uh, isn't he doing the Marcel Marceau thing? Uh, at the, the beginning, mime thing. Yeah, the mime. The mime thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's the <laughs> so, um, like the album launch, the the fancy. Yeah, the dinner. Dinner celebration thing. Yes. Yeah. Where they meet Fran Drescher and right near the beginning. <laughs> For I smell watched the glove. The other, watched it again the other day, but it was another one when I was a kid. I think my parents um, exposed me to it pretty early, and yeah, I don't think I got it straight away, like what you were saying before. You've got to watch it a couple of times, but, I think. Yeah. As soon as I was old enough to understand 
satire. Mm. Um, I really got it. And that, like that type of comedy is really great. Well, as I mentioned, Larry Sanders and then 30 Rock and those shows that kind of mockumentary, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, the, I don't know. Obviously still Panther come out of this yeah. type of thing as well, yeah. you know, very much informed from that. Um, oh, what? sorry, I just look it up. It's just such gold names. The other, the manager of the successful band, Sir Dennis Eatonhock. Eatonhock, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. Just the names are so good. It's just such good names. Wow. Anyway, sorry, continue, Rob. I just, yeah. No, no, that's cool. <laughs> um, oh, that's pretty much it for me. It, it, is, it is a laugh and it is, you know, I think there's at least something in this movie that we've all experienced, yeah. regardless of whether you've just been in a cover band, um, a local band, a original band starting out. I know I've definitely had weird radio transmissions come through my amps over the years. <laughs> um, I've definitely turned up to gigs where, you know, there's seven people. Um, oh, that's you know, pretty much all my gigs. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're paying for dinner, but uh, but yeah, we like it is. It's hilarious, and we can really relate. And it, even though it is satire, it comes from a truthful place. You know, yeah. they've just yeah. maybe amped it up a little bit more to make it funnier. But yeah. uh, all right, I've got my. Um, <laughs> okay, one line. Okay, I want to hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> right. It kind of throws back to one of your comments, actually. Um, Chronicles the weird and wonderful ways the drummers attempt to attempt to quit a failing dad band. <laughs> uh, excellent, fantastic, Rob. Excellent work with the uh, with yeah. the summaries tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Just had to try and you know, it was harder to come up with fun facts for this because we were we were blowing through them and this was a bit more yeah. funny. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Stretch my comedy bone. Very cool. <laughs> Fellas, this has been so fun. Thank you yeah. so much for great. great idea, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. Oh man, it's been it's been been really cool. So um Gabor, Gabor, tell us about uh tell us about your stuff. Where can people see more of you in action? Uh, well, in action, you have to come uh, to the Sunshine Coast and come to one of my gigs. But um, if you want to see me um, on the your beautiful computer screen or uh, phone screen. You can go to the super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. All one word. We don't do spaces um, uh, on YouTube, and uh, we review uh, guitar pedals and amps and guitars and plugins and everything guitar related. Um, yeah, cool. A funny thing about I just realised you don't know who Jeff Healy is, but you've probably reviewed every single DoD pedal. Yeah, yeah. In that his rig, plays, yeah. you could set up the Jeff Healy rig. I should, I should, I should check it out. I'm for people that don't know, I'm a massive DoD fan and collector. So I've got a whole wall of DoD um, here. Um, um, I've got a few missing more, but I'm and I'm doing videos on them too. So if you want to see videos on DoD stuff where I don't talk, uh, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> I get a lot of comments on those videos saying, "Oh, you don't talk. It's great." <laughs> Can you confirm the rumor that DoD stands for Dead on Delivery? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, when you're not when you're not writing one-liners to describe films, uh, <laughs> where, where else can we find you? 
Um, oh, hopefully we're out of lockdown this week and I'm back with my band living in the seventies. So, uh, just check out living in the seventies live on Facebook or my YouTube channel, Rob Rhodes music. Awesome. All right. And we'll have links in our show notes for, uh, for both of these guys, please check out what they're doing and that uh, we'll be back next week, back onto some iconic albums Woo-hoo. and, uh, it'll be great. Thank you fellas. I'll catch you next week. Thank you. See See ya. Ya. Thanks guys. Bye.